front of you, in the back of the pew, in that little pocket, there is a visitor card, if you don't mind to fill that out. You can drop it in the offering plate when it goes around here at the end of service. <clears throat> but uh, pray for me this morning. Uh, I know some of you know that uh, I was blessed to get the uh, virus that's been going around our church. Hopefully, I think it's over. I've not heard of anybody else getting it the last few days. Um, but I had to go to Charlotte for work Tuesday, and about two hours into the trip is when it hit me. And uh, so about three hours into the trip, a five-hour drive, thankfully Amber had already taken over driving by then because I wasn't able, and uh, that's when the virus came on full force. If you'd like details, I'll give them to you. Um, okay. And uh, so for the next seven hours was seven of the most miserable hours in my life. Um, and I'm still, I've had worse viruses by far, but I don't know that I had more miserable experience because I'm stuck in a vehicle hours from home and nothing I can do about it. Uh, but the, the recovery is taking me longer than normal. I'm still, my chest is still don't feel right. I still don't feel good. Uh, so... Uh, Pray for me this morning. I'm still not fully up to par by no means, but we'll do our best. And um, she's telling you true because I got sick before she took over driving, but I didn't get sick sick until she was, thank God, driving because that would have been really bad, uh, real bad. Uh, we were on the interstate in heavy traffic. Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 17. Uh, I preached from most of this text just a couple weeks ago. I told God that, and he let me know that he was well aware of that. But, uh, but this is where he led me. And we're going to preach a little bit different this time. Um, Acts chapter 17, verse 32. Acts 17, verse 32. We're going to read down. A little ways, first few verses in chapter 18 as well. Is everybody there? Acts 17, verse 32. And the Bible says, When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them. Howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed, among the which was Dionysius the Arrow, a begat, and a woman named Demarius, and others with them. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought. For by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads, I am clean. From henceforth I will go into the Gentiles, I'm sorry, from henceforth I will go to Gentiles. Notice again in verse 7. He departed tents 
and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. Let's stop there and let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this time together and for this day that you've given us. And Lord, for this uh, presentation, God, that we have of your word, Lord, of how another time, God, people rejected you. And Lord, it was presented right there to them, plain and clear. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you presented the gospel to us one night. And God, I don't know why you chose me. I don't know why you even allowed me to be saved. And Lord, you spoke to my heart and you showed me that I was a lost sinner dying and going to hell. And God, since then, Lord, my life has been so much better, God. I've not always obeyed you. God, I've had a heartache and hurt along the way and you know that and I know that. But God, almost all of my heartache and and hurt, God, has been self-imposed because of my sins. And God, I pray this morning that you forgive us for anything that would hinder this message. And God, I pray for those sitting here this morning, God, that would hear your word and God, not reject it. And God, for maybe anyone that's watching that can't be here that would like to be, help them as well. God, we live in a new time, a new day, God, and as we often say, normal is not coming back. God, the life that we once knew, God, in America, Lord, will never be the same. God, I believe you're going to return before that happens. So God, this morning I pray for this message. Holy Spirit, use me as you see fit. Preach through me as you feel needed. And Lord, I pray that, God, I'll yield myself to you the best way I can and know how. And God, your word tells us all and everything we know about us and everything we know about you. Help us, Lord, to receive this morning as you need, needed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I said a few weeks ago, for those of you that were here, remember I preached from chapter 18 down to about the first nine or ten uh, verses. Now to catch you up to speed, Paul has been in Athens, he's been in Greece, and if you remember, uh, we went, but it was a very superstitious place, they had all kinds of gods, they had gods to everything, in fact they had one altar to the unknown god, and it's recorded, reported that there were more gods, uh, if you will, or more statues and more uh, altars made in Greece than there were people. Uh, there, were, there were more uh, monuments. I can't get the word I want, but you know what I'm trying to say. Anyway, I'm having a COVID moment. But uh, he preached to them, and they were philosophers. There's a lot of Greek philosophy. We hear about that a lot. And uh, to them, to the Greeks, the, the teaching of resurrection was so absurd that it wasn't even worth listening to. It wasn't even worth debating. A lot of the Greeks would sit around all day eating grapes, and debate on what is right, what is wrong, and what is false. And they used their own thoughts, their own ideas. They didn't use the scriptures to debate this. No doubt, the scripture come into play at times, but it wasn't their basis for truth, kind of like America today. Uh, when you don't have a basis for the truth, you can make the truth anything you want it to be. But here we find that, that Paul had preached, notice if you read, uh, along with me in your hearing, I read it three times. The Bible says here, Paul departed. It's amazing to me that in a, in a short amount of time that he left a group of people, departed, and I believe God led him to because they didn't want to hear it at that time. One of the hardest things about Christianity for most of us in serving God is we want it to be convenient. We want convenience. God, don't convenience me. You actually expect me to give up 
my free time, my schedule, and time away from my family, time away from this or whatever else, sleep, whatever it may be, to serve you. God, you like to expect that. Yeah, God sure does. Uh, I'm going to say this, and I mean it loving. Uh, last year after the prayer retreat, I heard different ones of you publicly say that you know you should have went, you would go next time. Some come to you privately and told me that, and yet this year announced it again, and a very select few were going again. Is it too convenient? Is it too inconvenient? Most of us are too inconvenienced to serve God. We're not going to inconvenience ourselves one inch to do anything for God. So the title of this message is Convenience, Convenience. Isn't it convenient to serve God? No, sometimes it's not. But it's easy to do something when it's convenient. What is that? What have you done when something fits into your schedule just the way you need it to to satisfy you and make it easy? What have you accomplished for God? Have you really done anything? I bet he's impressed with that, isn't he? Help me preach kind, Lord. So I want to go through this with God's help try to point out some things for you and I that will help us. Because as, as your pastor, I'll confess to you, I don't always want to do things that's inconvenient either. I want things convenient for me too. I'm no different. My convenient on a Saturday, a lot of times will be building a fire in the fireplace, sitting in my Amish made rocking chair, prop my feet up and never move that position. Except to go to the sink or the refrigerator or to the bathroom. That'd be about it. But it doesn't work that way. It isn't like that. And sometimes God doesn't do things in our timetable. He does it on His. Do you not think Jesus would have liked to have found a different way to die for us? Somehow a different way for us to receive uh, salvation rather than Him suffering like He had to? That was pretty inconvenient for Him. But He did it. So number one, let's look through this and with God's help, I'll try to help you and me both. There's times in the Bible that we see people that had opportunities to walk with Jesus, walk with God, uh, walk with the apostles and things, but it wasn't convenient enough. Jesus went around at one point calling people and he, he gave a, a story and one of them said, well, let me f- uh, first suffer to bury my father. But what he was saying is, my dad's going to die in the next 20 years. Wait till he dies and I'll follow you. They said, let the day bury the day. Another one said, well, I bought an ox. I got to go check it out. In other words, he's saying, I bought an animal, sight unseen. I got to go find this thing, see what it looks like. And so they were flimsy excuses. And let me go and tell you, all of our excuses, most of the time, are just as flimsy. Not all the time, but the majority. Now here we have in verse 32, so when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. And as I already said, they thought this is a joke, man. You actually believe that nonsense? And listen, people will make fun of you and laugh at you and ridicule you today here in good old West Virginia for being a believer in Jesus Christ. Another said, we will hear the again of this matter. So number one, Paul left a crowd. Notice what the next verse says. So Paul departed from among them. Why did he depart? Because they didn't want to hear it. They weren't interested. And God said, if they don't want to hear it, fine. I'll take you to somebody that does. And he noticed in verse 34, it says, how be it certain men clave unto him and believed. It's possible that there was some uh, Greek Jews here 
uh, some people who were proselytes, maybe different ones who did believe some on him. But they were also the ones that said, we'll hear the again of this matter. Uh, in other words, we'll wait till it's convenient on my time. Wait till I, I'm ready for this. I'm not ready for this right now. So much of the time when you're preaching salvation to somebody, that is what I so often is heard, well, I'm not ready. Well, you better get ready, friend, because God's not going to save you on your timetable. He's going to save you on His. People often say when it comes to serving God, when it comes to doing something for God, a lot of Christians will say, well, not right now. I can't right now. It ain't a good time. When is a good time? The perfect time doesn't exist. He said, how be it certain men claiming to him believed among the which, and these people it's hard to pronounce, from a place it's hard to pronounce, and a woman named Demarius, that was halfway easy, and others with them. Notice again in verse one, and after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. So number one, he left a crowd. He had a crowd of people he was preaching to, no doubt a large audience, and, and they said, well, we think you're foolish, we think you're a nut job, and others said, well, well, it's kind of interesting, but I'm just not interested right now. I'll wait and talk to you when I feel I have better mood, better time, things look out better for me. No, number one, he left a crowd. Number two, because that he left a country. Do you not think God can leave you where you are right here in this church? Some of you are half-hearted, half-in, half-out. Some of you about halfway care about God, about this church. And some of you care a lot. And some of you, I think you can almost care less. You say, well, preacher, how can you say that? Because your actions tell us. I don't have to ask you. I don't have to ask God. You tell me. I love you. That's why I preach the truth to you. And more importantly, God loves you. And He wants to help you. He wants to do something in your life. But it can't always be convenient. It's not going to be convenient. It's got to be sometimes, all the time, on God's terms, not yours, not mine. Hey, there's things I've dropped a ball on. There's things I've failed at because it wasn't convenient for me. God's not interested in your convenience. He left a crowd. He left a country. By the way, God's leaving this country. You don't believe me? Look around. Twice this week, I watched the local news for the first time in probably six to eight months. And the only reason I did was to hear the weather. I really wasn't interested in anything else. I don't like to watch the news. It's depressing. It's deflating. They talk about stuff my kids can't hear. You tell me we're not messed up? Listen, it's not going to be convenient always to serve God. It's not going to always fit in your schedule. Well, if I got the free time and I spent the right amount of time with my family, if I uh, if I got the energy, the effort, there's times I don't have the energy and effort. There's times I've not spent time with my family. But God still requires you and I to be obedient to Him, put our life centered around Him, not the other way around. Too many of us. Hey, baby girl, at least you're paying attention. Too many of us put our life in front of God and say, God, you revolve around my life and then I'll think about serving you. I say this often. The Bible is full of how much in the New 
Testament, Jesus loved you and I and how he sacrificed and gave up at everything. And in return, he says, I bought you with the price. You are my property once you are born again. And inside of that, you no longer have the right and privilege to make the decisions you want to make on your own. My kids, Drew's 13, Kenley's 5. To this day, they don't have the right to do as they wish. Now that doesn't mean I micromanage them that everything they do, they got to get my permission to go get a drink of water. Some things they need to learn on their own. Drew's 13, he's a little bit spoiled and I'm trying to teach him how to simply use a microwave sometimes. He'll say, I want this or that. I said, you can go get it. I'm old. Mommy's not old. I'm not dumb. Don't ever ask how old she is, son. And when they ask her weight, you always go like this. My kids don't have free reign to do things how they want on their time. We homeschool our kids. Right, wrong, agree, disagree, can, can't, whatever. That's what God led us to do. And my son, if he had his way, a lot of days would never start his schoolwork. Not later, never. My daughter, she wants to do school on her time. She's a little fussier, so it's hard for my wife sometimes to work it in. And you know what makes it so hard and complicated is we're trying to teach our kids if you'll just go ahead and do it and get it over with, it'll be so much better. How much of the time is God trying to tell you and I, if you'll just do this, it'll be so much better. You and I can't see that. See, our kids can't see that at their age. You and I can see that because we're adults. We understand that. But God sees things you and I don't see and we think we know more than God and sometimes we think we know more than the pastor and the pastor tries to get this church to do something and you reject and fight and won't follow along. Then the pastor's got to try to figure out how to get you to follow along. Because it's not convenient. Convenience, convenience. I'll serve God if it's convenience. That's not serving God. That's not doing anything. You're just following along. <laughs> you know one reason why I preach like this? Because God tells me to. And because he's also trying to talk to me sometimes as well. And because I want the best for this church. I want the best for you. I want the best for your family. And friends, the best thing you could do is for your family to see that you are a devoted Christian above and beyond all. That's what people need. That's what God wants and expects and he's got a right to. He left a crowd. He left an entire country. He said, fine, you don't want me? I'll go. And he departed. And you know what's even worse? Let me say this and I'll move on. I got more energy than I thought, man, if I knew this. I don't read in Bible history anywhere where anybody else went to this place and evangelized it. Now, no doubt there were some people saved throughout the years. But history tells us there were no great revivals in the country of Greece. You understand that. He left a country. 
left it behind. And when Paul left, I believe God was sent at the same time, go. And God went with him. And I preached this a few weeks ago when I went through this. What is it that God has told you to do, asked you to do, and you won't do it? The day's going to come. He's going to say, fine, enough. You want it your way? You got her. Let me read on. In verse 2, he, or verse two he said, I found a certain Jew when he got to Corinth named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. So there's probably a large number of Jews here in this area at this time. And because, and, and to think about it, they had been displaced. They're upset. They're hurt. They're broken. They're looking for something. They're trying to figure out what in the world's going on. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought by their occupation or tent makers. And he reasoned in a synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. In other words, every Sunday, or Saturday actually, Paul went into the synagogue and he taught them from the Old Testament. I don't believe he got much into the gospel. I think he was trying to earn their respect and their trust because the Jews that were there were steeped in Old Testament doctrine and he had to convince them that he knew what he was talking about. There's sometimes some people you got to take your time with and you got to show them, bring them along the way because their conscience has been sheared with a hot iron, as the Bible says, and they don't know the truth. You got to be easy with them sometimes. You can't just dump it all at one time unless God says to. So I believe Paul was trying to talk with them, debate with them, but notice what God did. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. So you see, God sent reinforcements. And he sent uh, Timothy and Silas to him. And when they got there, somebody that could help uh, shore up Paul, somebody that could help pray for him, encourage him, stand in a corner with him. He said, now's the time to present the gospel. And Paul did that when enough people was there to support him. God will send you reinforcements, but more importantly, or just as importantly, what if you're the reinforcement God's wanting to send? But it's not convenient. That's too inconvenient. You mean I got to give up a Saturday? <laughs> I don't think so. You mean I can't sit at the house? And I've been working all day, Lord, and you actually expect me to give up an evening to go do this or do that for you? Lord, you really are serious, aren't you? Yeah, your God is. Yeah, he sure is. You mean, God, I've got to go help that preacher do this or I've got to go to that church and do that? You mean I can't sit and relax or do what I want to do? No. No, you sure can't. God, this is my only day to sleep in. Let me sleep. Well, tough luck. I bet Jesus got tired and sleepy sometimes, didn't he? I bet he'd like to have had some relief from that cross, wouldn't he? And you and I, me too, have the gall to look at God sometimes and say, not right now. I'm to this or I'm to that. You fill in the blank. You know what you say to God. I know what I say to him, and I'd say it's on the same lines. Convenience, convenience. Just not convenient, Lord. Why would I want to do that? I ain't got time right now, God. 
I'm raising kids. So, so is everybody else. You know, the amazing thing this morning in Sunday class, the, the verse came up. The Bible says to forsake not to assemble yourselves together. We quote that often and we stop right there. Can anybody tell me what the rest of that verse says? And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Do you know what day it's talking about? The end time day, the rapture. And we see it coming instead of people assembling more, we're assembling less. It's supposed to be the other way around, folks. He'll send you reinforcements. He'll meet with you at times that you're not expecting when you need him the most. But church, if we don't put forth some effort for Jesus, how much effort will you think he might put forth for you? You reap what you sow. And that means good and bad. Our tithes are 10% of what we make. Should we not try to tithe our time as well? Twenty-four hours in a day, and God's lucky if He gets twenty minutes. Lucky, I shouldn't say. I've tried to get away from saying that. Verse six: When they had opposed themselves and blasphemed, He shook His raiment and said unto them, "Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth, I will go unto the Gentiles." Notice verse seven: The third time, depart. So number one, he left a crowd. Number two, he left a country. Number three, he left a citizenship. You know, some of them, I think, said, well, it sounds good, but that's just not convenient for me. Not right now. I'm going to give you all a little test. I know you all will pass it. I've said for a long time, the greatest lie ever told is what? Just wait. To Christians and lost people alike, he tells it to both of us. And you know why he uses it? Because it works. To perfection. As long as Satan can keep you from getting real serious about God, he's got you where he wants you. Not where God wants you, where he wants you. Ineffective for Jesus. And as long if you're lost, you're sitting here today. And you say, Preacher, I don't know 100% for sure if I died right now, I go to heaven. As long as he can just get you to keep saying, just wait. Whatever the reason may be. He'll often tell you that because you're, uh, maybe you're going through a tough time. Maybe you're t- too young. You got time. You got this. You got that. Man, you don't want to get saved right now. Look what all you got ahead of you. Yeah, you got hell ahead of you. Yeah, you got something ahead of you, all right? And he tells the Christian people, just wait till it's more convenient. It'll be more convenient next week. No, it won't. Just wait till you get this accomplished, or wait till this or that. It won't. There'll be something else then too. It'll never be convenient. So he left a crowd. He left a country, then he left an entire citizenship. This was, as far as I know from the Bible, the best I can tell, this was the Jews' last straw. 
They rejected the prophets. They rejected Jesus. And now they have rejected the apostles. And I think when, when, when Paul went to them for the last time, I think God said, enough. And that is when he opened the doors wide open to the Gentiles. You and I were engrafted in. We received the blessing of Israel, could have received the last 2,000 years. Instead, they have been persecuted like nobody ever has and will continue to till the day he returns. And friends, I'm here to tell you, saved or lost, if you're born again and God has given you orders, and he is because he doesn't have secret moral agents, he doesn't have bench warmers, he needs everybody in the battle. Hey, let me tell you, every one of us has been in enlisted into his army and he's given every one of us orders and as long as you ignore him you're on the sidelines and you are useless to God you're ineffective you'll say preacher I'm here at church well thank God for that but that's not serving God that's fairly convenient to be quite honest with you this really isn't a big I mean sacrifice to come to church I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. I'm, I'm really not. It's really not a, a big convenience to come to church. It's a privilege and it's an honor. I say this a lot and I hope it resonates with some of you. I want it to be more than it does. Do you understand there's people throughout this world that would give anything to have the privilege you and I have got to come to a church like this and be able to sing outwardly, openly. Preach outwardly, openly. Not have to sneak around for hours at a time to assemble in one place just so they can have a small church service where they have to whisper. Because if they talk loud and the military or the police or somebody hears them, they'll come in and arrest them or blow their head off. Nigeria is near the top of the list right now for persecuted countries. I've mentioned that before. You got to have church in Little Rocket Man's country, aka North Korea. He'll come in and rest you. If he lets you live, he'll put you in a in a camp, in a horrible prison where you have absolute labor beyond measure. He will work you to death. China will cut your head off, or put you in prison. Russia has persecuted people for thousands of years, hundreds of years, and you've heard me tell stories about people in Russian prisons, what they've went through. I'll tell you one, and I'm finished. I've mentioned two men. One book is uh, The Tortured for Christ. It shows a guy's hands up in shackles, and um, Richard Wombrand is who wrote it. Another one uh, is along the same lines of the title of the book, but a guy named Harlem Popov wrote it. One is in Romania. I think one is in Bulgaria. And they were both arrested simply for serving God, preaching Jesus. And Richard Wormbrand told a story that they would actually take and put him in a box and drive nail spikes through that box and stand him up inside of it and there was just enough room for him to stand. If he slouched one way or the other, he would hit those nails. They put it strategically so that it wouldn't, like if you get on a complete bed of nails, it's actually not going to be that bad because there's so many places. That ain't how they did it. They did enough places so it would poke into your skin and he couldn't lean against one side. He had to stand there and pitch black. They would take and hang him up by his, uh, right here under his, behind his legs and beat his feet unmercifully, broke his bones to the point that when he got out, he couldn't walk hardly. 
hold him, pop off, said that they would stand him in front of a, a white wall that was polished with the sun or light glaring in so it would reflect off of that and he couldn't close his eyes for days at a time and stand in the blood and so pulled, pulled to his feet they had to almost drag him back to his cell that was infested with fleas, lice, bed bugs and everything other kind of bug you can think of to eat them alive while they're in their cell. You and I don't have the convenience for Jesus. Wonder how it's going to be to stand in the face of God one day and say, Lord, I didn't have time. When we read stories like that, it wasn't convenient enough for me, God. My church had a prayer retreat for the men to try to help them, teach them to get closer to you, God. But I had better things to do. I don't want to make this about that, but I want to try to get some of you to realize that until you inconvenience yourself a little bit, God is not going to be the God you want Him to be. It's not going to happen. Convenience, convenience. That's what these people wanted. One of the conveniences they wanted was to be accepted by everybody. Because it wasn't accepted by everybody, they wanted nothing to do with it. One of the conveniences was it just wasn't the right time. Maybe later. Come back later and we'll debate this again. To my knowledge, later never happened. Most of you and I, when God tells us to do something... It's a one-shot deal. You don't get a second chance. He'll move on. Has he moved on from you already on some things? Eventually, he'll move on again. He, he's not going to kick you out of heaven. It's not what I'm saying. But he's sure going to kick some rewards away from you. Your disobedience turns his nose, turns his stomach. And if you'll allow me to say it this way, and I'm finished, I realize it doesn't. But do you understand our sin and disobedience? If you think of it like this, every time you disobey God and you say, well, it's not convenient, imagine putting another stripe on Jesus' back. Because it was our sins that done that. God tells you to witness to somebody, imagine the nail been driven into his hand. That's you, friend, and me. Father, we thank you again for this time together, for this day that you've given us. Lord, I, I just tried to preach what you give me. God, I, I want to help people. I want to encourage people. And God, I want people to see how wonderful you really are. Lord, I pray that you take this message and you do with it what only you can. God, too much of the time as Christians, we want too much convenience and we won't put ourselves out. We won't do what's right. God, because it's too inconvenient. God, there's people that's, that's broken relationships because it wasn't convenient that wouldn't get married or, or, or God would... Do the, run this way or not be honest about things, God, because it was too inconvenient. 
God, we need you today. We need you to help us. We need you to encourage us. God, I'm praying that you speak to the hearts of each one that are here. Lord, I'm not trying to attack anybody. You know that, God. I don't want to, I'm not trying to point anybody out or point fingers at anyone. God, I got plenty of them coming right back at me. God, I've not accomplished anything. I've not arrived. Lord, I need you to help me as much as the next person. And Lord, today I pray that you help us all realize that God, serving you is not always convenient and easy. So I thank you and I praise you that we have your grace and your mercy. But God, we need your grace and mercy to teach us and guide us and direct us, Holy Spirit, so that we can learn to honor you like we should. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. If you have-